can't touch this. Is up ding dong. I tried to interrupt it. You tried. Can't touch this. Oh, no, no, no. What? That might be my new hype song in coming days. MC Weeks. Hammer. Yeah, can't touch this. Have you seen the video? That's just a cat that's like sitting on a column, and every time people walk past it, swipes them. Yes. And then they play "Can't Touch This." Yep. It's a good cat. Just making sure. Just making sure. It's maybe the best use of that song. Period. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. Full stop. Um. No, I was can't trying touch to. Think, this. I, I. Oh, can't touch this. I mean, that's a song that was all over the place in my early days mm-hmm. as a young Corey Kraft. Making his way through the world, getting to know popular culture. And of course, in the early 1990s, MC Hammer was nothing if not the zenith of pop culture. Like at the very tip top, the peak up there with other luminaries like Vanilla Ice um, and the people who did um, that song, Whoop, There It Is, which I can't remember the name of that group. Man, MC Hammer is a... Is that the Ghetto Boys? Does anybody know the answer to that? Sounds right. The, Sounds right. I should know this. There it is. The uh, absolute best example of money poorly spent. MC Hammer. No, he he. You know he burned the candle at both ends, so to speak. But you know what? While it was burning, what a what a beautiful light. Oh, it, here's it the thing. If you want to, I, I look. If you want to waste all your money thinking it's going to keep rolling in, rolling in, rolling in on any number of things, drugs, shoes, parachute pants, cars. Fine, but employing like two hundred people to follow you around—so stupid. Just, just the, just the worst use. Well, he was just like, yeah. I mean, uh, can't touch this is taking over the world, and I've got like, I'm just full of hits. So many more in There's the chamber. There's more where that's coming from. Uh, all I have to do is sit down and oh shit. Yeah. Uh-oh. I should all have to sit down and write and write these checks to these. 75,000 people. Well, it's just like how the Ghetto Boys or whoever did when <laughs> they were. Just so we get our facts straight here, no disinformation. Um, it was from the tag team. Or the tag, tag team. team. Tag, tag team. team back again. Whoop, there it is. So, Whoop, that's all that song does. And, and then, you know, they, they did a version of it for the Adams Family movie, and it, the lyrics <gasps> was so, just like, Whoop, the Adams Family. There it is, or something like that. So they did very little work. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play. The Adams Family. MC Hammer did an Adams Family song too. Oh wow! Look See, at that coincidence. I mean, you know, again, just great minds meeting there in the early '90s at the absolute only point where they could have collaborated yeah. on yeah. the soundtrack for the Adams Family movie, which is a great movie, by the way. Well, anyway, we do what we want to do, live how we want to live, play how we want to play, say what we want to say. So let's get talking about about movies. Movies. This is the Side Talks podcast. It is a podcast about cinema hosted by we programmers from the Sidewalk Cinema and the Sidewalk Film Festival. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm Corey Kraft. Side Talks podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just. Um, Yeah. Let's start. Wait, Let's start it, talking about movies. Please. There it is. There's the the intro. Okay. Get ready for a five minute fight. Five minute round one fight. fight. So you know what no one's talking about right now? What? Did everybody see that I I successfully for the first time ever rerouted his his thing? What are you talking about? I yeah, said what's true. up, ding dong. Uh, barely. No, barely, no, no. barely. Anyway, no. we got a five-minute fight. I didn't want to. I almost didn't want to mention it because I knew it was gonna, you know, kind of come at me. It like there's just a, like it's hard. It's hard to like gloat, but also then not get a swipe. 
Anyway, we're fighting about a film today. Brad, go ahead and start the timer. I feel like we're going to get through this one pretty quickly. This film is a film that I am actually on the pro side of. Yeah, I don't really understand my, I have why. Notes. I have notes on it. I have notes. Go ahead. Start with your bullshit. Yeah, we're start talking about the post-scream teen slasher, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Even though I will say the script was written prior to Scream. Sure, I know it Just was. Saying. But it was like hastily put into production after the success of Scream when executives were like, we already have a Kevin Williamson script. Let's go into production yes. right now. Yes, I agree. 1997. Sam, are you listening? Because I just want to point a couple of things out. I understand that we oftentimes, we should focus on the film itself, but I just want to just have to mention that if we didn't have I Know What You Did Last Summer, we wouldn't have the awesome sequel titles, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and my favorite sequel title of all time, I Will Always Know What You Did Last Summer. And what a loss to the culture <laughs> that would be. As we Yes, points, points, points. That. Come on. What's your problem? This is a fun movie. It's not fun. Yes. It's boring have you ever, as hell. Are have you, you kidding? S- have you seen 70% of the shitty slashers that are out there, Corey? I, the, in the grand scheme of things, this is a, a really, really fun teen slasher film. What is your problem? Because it sucks. It's boring. That's what? it? That's all you've got? Yeah, it sucks. It's, it's not boring. What? Of course it's, it's boring. It's got a great inciting incident. It has incident. like two kills in it. So? The kills are bad. They're not. Um, the, Disagree. The cast, I mean, God bless them. <gasps> oh, yeah. Let's go with that. The cast. Jennifer Love Hewitt. We all know her body is a wonderland. Oh, There's Christ. points there. Well, look, I actually you, almost got in a wreck on the way here trying to change the station from the John Mayer song. Don't comes on. do that. It, no, let me tell you something. That that like when the world is going to change or whatever. I literally was like, I know I might hit this car, but I've got to move my hand over from the steering wheel onto the radio to get this fucking off. Anyway, folks, don't do we, that at home. We know her body is a wonderland. We've got Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's Buffy, bitch. That's points. Yeah, Buffy's Freddy, great. Freddie Prince Jr. Like him. I like him. All right. Ryan Felipe. Cutie. Cutie, cutie. And then we've got the one and only David from Roseanne. Little Johnny. Johnny, Johnny Galecki. As our kind of villainy type here. Yeah, okay. but he's not around long enough to be even be like a red herring. He's and just like, eh, and then he just dies. Great. Oh my gosh. Whatever. And we've got it co-written by Kevin Williamson. This are this is a good if you want to mention cast, let's mention cast. I'm happy for that. And then we even have this this super strange and I think very self-aware bizarro performance uh, cameo appearance by the one and only Anne Heche. It is very strange. <laughs> and it is it is kind of the best part of the movie, even though it's a a plot dead end because yeah, again, it totally. tries to set her up as a red herring, but doesn't even do the work to pull <laughs> doesn't, that off. Doesn't do it very well, which is no. fun. This is a funny, fun, enjoyable little bit of a carnival ride of a film. No. And it's got a great inciting incident where, you know, you've got the teenagers that are like out late partying. So they accidentally hit somebody with their car. Could happen. Actually happened to a couple of folks in my high school. And then they, oh, they, they do. I know. They do what, you know, teens are really terrible at doing, which is make a pact to not tell anybody else, which we all know how that's going to go. That doesn't work, even if it were just me and you, like something's going to go fucking wrong. But certainly teenage me and you and a couple of other teenagers in the room, we're going to fuck that up right away. And so you know that's going to happen. Then we get the fun notes, the fun like cryptic, kind of cryptic, kind of not cryptic when it's I know what you did last summer. It, it, Messages, it's fun. Here's here's why it is not fun or It's like cryptic a really good episode of Dawson's Creek. It's, well, a really fucking Which dark like. episode of Dawson's Creek. They, there um, are some of those. The script is bad. It's boring. It's not really even a whodunit, which is the most appealing thing about a lot of slashers for me, especially the Scream franchise, because, and I don't 
intend to necessarily completely spoil a nearly 26-year-old movie, but I'm going to lightly okay. spoil it here, which is right the solution to the movie, the the re- reveal of the killer. It's just like, is it is it Anne Heche? Is it David from Roseanne? No, it's some fucking guy you've yes, never seen before. Know what it is? It's the fish stick guy. It's yeah, the it's, guy on it's, the fish, Mr. The, Gordon. It's, it's like the Gordon's fish fisherman stick, guy <laughs> who's rules. just like, that fucking rules. it was me the whole time. And I'm just like, who the fuck is this? When they, it's just some bearded middle-aged with guy hook, with a hook when they land on it being the, the the gordon's fisherman fish stick guy i i laugh my ass off it's so fun Corey. I you're love, wrong i love a good cheesy slasher but the only cheesy thing about this is the wall-to-wall 90s covers of better like songs uh that you know permeate the soundtrack it the soundtrack is fucking terrible it's terrible. I think this is a fun seasonal slasher teen film that's absolutely rewatchable. This is a great summer sleepover movie. Yeah, I, that's all I got to say. I feel really good about this argument, Sam. I think you just look like looking at Jennifer Love Hewitt. In I a tank don't top. really love her. You've got that wrong. I don't. I actually think Sarah Michelle Gellar is where my eyes would go. Um, there's also a there's also a song that came out a few years ago called "I Know What You Did Last Summer," which I also want to point out. Is Great the chorus. It's just, a legacy. I know what you did legacy. last summer. It's legacy. probably better than the movie. Legacy. Um, okay. Um, yeah. To Rachel's point, the sequel names are worth it alone. I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> And also, I think the record should reflect that Corey wants more kills. Um, kind of a red flag, maybe. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, not for a horror movie. Come on, There Sam. were only two kills. Mm. Um, it really is so well cast. Um, the base concept is just so simple and impactful. I mean, the whole movie is just powered by teen guilt. And it's Love kind it. of awesome, honestly. Um, even lots of recent stuff like Hereditary and Yellow Jackets kind of borrow pages from its book. Oh, uh-uh. Corey, Corey. So I'm going to say Rachel wins by 2 million points here. And um, Corey, I know what you did last summer. Yes. And I also love that all of a sudden Corey's like writing for Fangoria. He's like, there's only two kills. Like, since when do you care about that? The Kill Count YouTube channel. a slasher movie that has absolutely nothing else to offer. Two kills and they suck. Like, there wasn't a decapitation. Also, I just want to point something out. Because this, I'm in Bizarro World here. (laughs) We're calling a movie that has Freddie Prinze Jr. and Ryan Philippe in main roles "Quote unquote well cast." Yeah, yeah. what is happening? Yes. What yes. is happening? Have you not I seen love- the live action Scooby Doo? Anything? Right. Yeah, it's right. awful too. Right. Uh uh-uh. uh. What is wrong with everybody? I'll fight you on Scooby Doo as well. If Sam. I if yeah. I've seen this, uh, really? I love Scooby Doo. Corey's going down. How I love Scooby Scooby Doo. Okay, look, I, if I had seen this movie when I was 11, like I was supposed to have seen it, I probably would enjoy it. But I didn't. I saw it as an older man uh, who has been ruined by life. And so I don't like it Bummer. because it's bad. I got to do a oh little shout out to I got to do a little shout out to my friend Becca Green, who comes every year for the festival. Uh-huh. We saw this in the theater, proud of that fact. And um, when I drove her and dropped her off that night, um, I'm sitting in my car and she's like, hold on, I got, I have something to give you, like something, it's like something you left here. And she goes up to her place and I was like, God, it's taking her so damn long. And next thing I know, on the hood of my car slaps this um, aluminum foil claw. Oh, that's like, funny. The, and she's wearing a, she had a yellow raincoat that she couldn't wait to that's break out. That's yeah, awesome. It was awesome. That's better than the movie. It was just as good, but I still like the movie. Hmm. So props to Becca Green for that little claw move. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. 
uh, of, uh... Man, that's weird. Well, this is going to be dated, Corey. Okay. This is going to be dated when when this airs, um, when this is broadcast, or however you want to say it, when it launches, when it drops. See all the yeah, things I'm doing go. here? Yeah. When it drops. Um, but it, we lost a great one today. That's right. We lost Tina Turner. Thunderdome, that's ball right. to town. So I am. I thought, man, that's weird. I thought we'd go the Tina Turner route a little bit and acknowledge her great work in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Come this on. is 1985, and Tina Turner plays uh, the character. She plays anti-entity. Is that yes, right? Yes, anti-entity. Um, which, by the way, I think is just kind of referred to as anti in the film. I yeah. don't know that it's ever. I think she's credited as that, but I don't know if it's ever said fully. All those Mad Max characters have silly, crazy names, yeah. which is a delight. Yeah. And so, you know, here's a few things. This is the Man That's Weird segment. So we're going to, I'm going to make some a few connections and also point out a kind of some fun stuff about the film. Um, one of which is that, did you know that she had to have her head shaved in order to wear that wig? No, I didn't. And, and apparently didn't protest at all. Was fully fine with getting the head shaved and putting that wig a on. A good sport. A good sport because we also know maybe the most famous thing I'm going to say that that I think most of us are aware of is that that damn dress was 121 pounds. I think I did know that. Yeah. It looks heavy. It looks heavy and it was. Here are some other facts about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. There were 600 pigs in Underworld. Okay. And buying that many could have potentially hurt the pork market. What, in Australia, there's, yes. there's just like one pig farm? I don't know. 600 would apparently have had an impact. It's a pretty so big instead, country. they rented the pigs oh, of course. from a pig farmer. So just so you know. Um, George Miller has said that he was inspired by a film that this, this really shocked me, surprised me, The Atomic Cafe. Do you know this film? I do know this film. This is the, the, the is this the the archival found footage found completely footage. found yes. which I would if you're sitting there thinking like go back, you know, something that predates 1985, what film do you think might have inspired this? Atomic Cafe would not have been what I would have thought. But it, it's an interesting film. It is it is again fully found footage. I think you'll be surprised if you go watch this if you haven't already and, seen and it. And to clarify that it's the bulk of it is old like 50s era nuclear like duck and yeah. cover instructional videos and things like that, right? Yep. As I recall. Yep, yeah, that's it's, the it's one. neat. So the the role of Auntie was written specifically for Tina Turner. Uh-huh. Even though she hadn't been offered the role yet or hadn't ex- obviously accepted the role or been approached about it, but it was written for her. But when they were batting around other ideas for folks who could play it, some of the names that came up were Lizzie, Lindsay Wagner. Which no. Is, yeah, strange. Jane Fonda. I could see it, but I just—it's Tina yeah, to me. Yeah, you know that's part of why I wanted to focus on this. It's just Tina to me. So the film's theme song, which she sang, "We Don't Need Another Hero." We sure don't. Right, reached number two on the U.S. charts, uh-huh. number one in Australia. Of course, this is all the summer of 1985. The song was recorded. Here's the connectivity. Okay, the song was recorded in London with a backing choir from the King's House School, containing, amongst others, a 12-year-old named Lawrence De. Uh, Dalaglio. I'm so sorry. Dalaglio. Okay. Um, who would go on to be a hugely successful rugby union player in England. Sick. Playing for, I don't, I don't know anything about rugby, but Me Wasp either. RFG. Sure. Sounds... And was a member of the English World Cup winning side in 2003. Hey, good for him. And he, his little voice can be heard on that. 
And then finally, here's the last little piece of sort of trivia and interestingness from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, starring, of course, Tina Turner. And that is that Mel Gibson, Tina Turner, and Angelo Rosito uh-huh. are the only three American cast members featured in the film. Yeah, that's that's fairly typical for those Mad Max movies. But Mel... It... That's what I was getting at. Well, it struck me. See, I didn't know this. I don't know a whole lot about Mel Gibson. And so I was like, what do you mean Mel Gibson is American? But sure enough, uh-huh. although it, Mel Gibson's family- he was born in America, that's right? That's right. He emigrated with his family to Australia when he was 12. And that's around the time he started his acting career pretty young. Yeah. And so he isn't actually an Australian citizen. He was born in the US and he has a, a American father and an Irish mother. Sure. Okay. So there you go. All right. Um, that's what I've got for you. Yeah, and and another fun fact about Mel Gibson. Oh yeah, um, is that <laughs> stick with the fun ones, please. <laughs> oh well, maybe this one isn't so fun. <laughs> so uh, um, anyway, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, no, no, keep keep talking. Look up look up Mel Gibson's public issues, and and right. you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, weird guy, what happened to him? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, Mel, uh, Mad Max <laughs> movies are 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 great. All of them are great. This is the last um, one with him, though, right? Last one with him because uh, 2015's Mad Max Fury Road uh, stars Tom Hardy right. as as Mad Max. I mean, by that point, Mel was troubled and old. Do so. you think he could ever do another one? No. Fuck no. It's um, over. It's over. Bring back Tom. But you know, the next installment, no, so to speak, is a prequel simply titled Furiosa um, that will star Anya Taylor-Joy as a younger version of Charlize Theron's Furiosa character from Mad Max Fury Road. And it comes out, as of this recording, just about one year from today. We got a little runway there. Yep. Anyway, Um, there's a lot we could say about Tina Turner. There sure is. Icon, really, truly an icon. So, so many wonderful things, a true survivor. And of course, there's, there are films that she's been in, um, but there is also a film about her. What's Love Got to Do With Um, It, which I saw for the first time fairly recently. That stars uh, Angela Bassett as Tina and uh, Lawrence Fishburne as Ike. And they're both fantastic. I mean, the movie itself is kind of, Fairly standard, you know, music biopic thing, but those two performances are so good that, like, it makes the movie worth seeing. And especially now that we've lost her, um, which would, is yeah, terrible. Terrible. Would make for a good, would interesting and um, thematically different, but interesting double feature yeah. um, would be to do, Very. To, to, to do Mad Max and... Um, what's love got to do with it? Very wild pairing those two would represent, but but God bless Tina Turner and and all the work that she R. did. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Genuinely. Well, thank you for listening to Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic Maddie Healy and Swifty. I don't know what any of that means. I recognize those words, but that sentence didn't you don't make know? sense. You don't know? How does he, How do you not know, Corey? Who is Maddie Healy, first of all? So, Maddie... Oh, go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry. No, no. no. I was just... Lead singer of the 1975. Yeah. What the fuck is the 1975? Are you guys oh making up bands again? Are you making up music acts again? Or no. am I just that out of no, touch? No, you're just that out of touch. They're a pretty big band. Yeah, they're pretty huge. Okay, well, they're y'all pretty, can keep them. Pretty, pretty huge, Corey. I don't listen to new music. I'm sorry... But no, I'm not sorry. Yeah. I just don't listen to new music. Well, it's heating up, okay? Because I don't know if you know this, but you know your boy, boy Joe, all in that was in. Oh, uh, Mr. The Favorite? 
Yeah, Mr. The Favorite, Billy even though Lynn he doesn't himself really play much of a role in the Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Anybody? Yeah. Anybody? Remember? I didn't know he was Very in Very memorable movie. He is Billy Lynn himself. Well, he's a handsome young gentleman, sure, but whatever. him and Taylor Swift they have broken up. Yeah, alas. They were dating and they have broken up. Uh-huh. And she has been now connected with Maddie Healy. And no one is very happy about this because Maddie Healy is uh, opened his mouth um, one too many times and about so, all kinds of stuff. You know, he's some comments that were um, that were kind of racist. What? Um, Can't do that. No, I mean you really My shouldn't. Dude. And then some comments specifically geared towards what Ice Spice. Does anybody know about this? I don't. So comments, to, and here's here's where the plot thickens. Okay, Ice Spice. Ice Spice. Do you know who that is, Corey? If you don't <laughs> obviously, know, obviously I you do not. Don't know who the 1975 is. My guess is you don't, right? I mean, and, that's not one of the Spice Girls as I remember them. Uh, you know what? That was my first thought when I first became familiar with Ice Spice. Was man, you know, where were our where are our other Spice Girls? Where's my ginger when I need her? Scary, sporty, baby. Yeah, all that. So posh, let, posh. let me tell you how the plot is thickening. Uh-huh. So some Swifties have come out and kind of said, Maddie Healy's made some, some misogynistic comments, some racist comments. Some of those comments were, were geared towards I Spice. We're, we don't like him. There's been a public record, uh, excuse me, a public letter um, directed toward Taylor Swift saying, please break up with Maddie Healy if that's indeed what you're doing. And yeah, it's back and forth. And he, For the listener, he, I just rolled my eyes at that concept. He made some, some derogatory comments about her in the past, about Taylor, about Mama Tay in the past. So it's a whole thing. But then the plot thickens. Okay. Because today there was news released on uh-huh. the Taylor Swift from the Taylor Swift camp. Taylor Swift is up and soon releasing, dropping, as, uh, as we've been saying. edition of Midnight's, right? Yes, With which is Ice going Spice. to include, that's right. Where is this going, everyone? What is happening? Has anybody counted the numbers in that announcement? Because they might add up to 13. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, what we do know is that the Swifties, and I include myself in that group, and Maddie Healy are not really getting along right now. So you're Maddie Healy and I'm a Swiftie. There we go. Sure. Um, I love the idea (laughs) of trying to fucking decode every single news drop that comes from Taylor Swift like we're characters in Under the Silver Lake or I something. I fucking love it. Listen, the beginning of the show opens up with a with a clock and she plays the song You Don't Own Me. Uh-huh. And the clock is changing from show to show. It's a big huge digital clock. You need to go watch the videos of people just Whole, you know, putting in putting the footage of that clock up and counting the the numbers of of dials on the clock and then adding those. It it it. I'm just telling you, if you want to burn up a good you know thirty forty five minutes of your life with absolute nonsense and also math that I can't follow, there you go. It, at least it's, at Corey. least it's a more benevolent <laughs> like cult than QAnon. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely definitely in the cult. Well, you know, that's fine. Definitely Just don't drink like... the lavender Kool-Aid. See what I did there? Yeah, I did. Um, All right. Thank you to Boutwell Studios. Yeah, thanks, Brad. You're welcome. Uh, and why don't you visit us online at <laughs> SidewalkFest.com or on social media. backslash store. Put in the code Rachel Morgan. I get some kickback. Go ahead. On social media <laughs> at Sidewalk Film. Uh, that's on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Um, and, um, at all of these places, you can see what we're playing at the cinema and you can also get passes to the sidewalk film festival coming up the last week of August in downtown Birmingham. Now, by the time you're hearing this, 
prices for passes have gone up a bit. They go up on June 1st, and I assume that by the time this drops, it is after June 1st because it is now the end of May. So don't continue to wait. Get your passes now. They will continue to go up in price as we get closer to the festival. So get those passes, sidewalkfest.com, and come see a movie with us at the cinema. Maybe you'll see Maddie Healy there, and you could you're, give you're him not, a piece you're, of you're, your you're mind. You're really not. I don't no, know. But maybe in know. a music video. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, in a music video. I could walk past this guy on the street, and I would just be like, there's a guy, and I, that's it. That's so, fair. You know? That's actually a fair... He could yeah. be at the cinema right now, and I wouldn't know. Oh. You probably would. I would definitely know, but you have a point when you. I mean, he's not. He's he's fine. He just looks like a man. All right, he looks like a man. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, that's it for this episode of Side Talks. Uh, we'll talk about more uh, musicians I've never heard of next episode. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.